Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. For those of you who are wondering why I said evening and this show is live on the air at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, it's because people all around the country and the world are listening live via iHeartRadio or um, might be listening on the podcast, which is available wherever podcasts can be found. And I just love, love, love all of my listeners and the feedback that you've given me that helps me find the amazing guests that I have. And that is why I have this wonderful guest I have on my show today. It's because of a previous guest I had who also happens to be a dear friend of mine and this person's brother. So I want to thank Bobby Govanis, who is actually on a cruise ship in, on, in Alaska right now. So she'll hear this when she gets back from her trip. But I've got the amazing Robert Horsey here with us today and he wrote a novel called Gifted but in my opinion it's not so much a novel as a way to save lives around the world and Robert's a critical care registered nurse but really what he's done for most of his 19 year career is in the field of organ donation and transplantation he's been at the top levels of that field we've seen movies with um so many people about organ donation and then you know the sci-fi movies about the black market of it but really there is something so special about being able to save somebody's life when you're gone and today being 9-11 here in america that has a new meaning about being able to save lives so robert i want to thank you for being on the show and for writing this beautiful book well, thank you, Laura. It's, uh, it's a real honor to be here speaking with you. You know, I, I was reading the book, and it was really hard for me because I'm coming up on the one-year anniversary of my mom passing. And so, you know, like, you hear all about this stuff, right? Sorry, very emotional. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. And your book was so powerful because you care about the characters. I know this was your first novel, so kudos, by the way. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, you know, if somebody writes a book and it makes the reader think and the reader feel, deeply feel and care about the characters in the book, that says a lot about the author. So you should feel really good about yourself and about the work that you're doing in this book. So thank you for that. Well, thank you very much for that. That's quite a compliment. You know, you've been doing organ in the field of organ donation and transplantation for 19 years, which is amazing because it's not an easy field to be in. I mean, I, I know there are people that are hospice nurses and doctors and they deal with that all the time. Same thing with the organ donation. And frankly, I don't know how you guys do it. it it's definitely a gift to be able to help people at the worst moments of their life. How do you, how do you get through your day doing that work? Well, it's been a long road. Um, and in your experience, you, you kind of learn how to, I don't want to say disassociate yourself, but you, you have to separate your life from theirs. And if you don't do that, you'll have a short lived life. 
in your career. And for me, um, the, the field of organ donation and transplantation, that was a place in healthcare where death didn't have to end with sadness. Yet, in some ways, it it you're in. Well, how do I how do I phrase this? You're with people in their worst moment of their life. They've just been told that their loved one is brain dead, right? That yes, they there's no hope for them to come back, even though their body still seems like it's alive. That to me, yes, go ahead. So I was just going to say it's very confusing for for family members to see to see their loved one lying there. They see their heart beating on the monitor. They see their chest rise and fall with the ventilator, but yet they're not with them. Yeah, I mean, my brother passed away, and I my parents never told me whether they donated any part of him. I was 10 years old at the time. And his heart failed. He had had a heart condition. So I don't know whether... I know his heart couldn't have been donated (laughs) at at that point in time, although he had the biggest heart in the world. What is it about organ donation that you think scares people so much? Well, unfortunately, the, the media and television and movies have really done a disservice in some way to in promoting organ donation and that's because they just get it wrong they they put stories out there that they aren't accurate and they try to over dramatize an already dramatic situation and it just makes it come off wrong so what's the right way to be thinking about it well i think getting consultants to um, contribute, you know, professional people in the field um, and then take their advice and not try to make something over the top. It's a very dramatic situation if you they were just to let it play out. What do you mean let it play out? Oh, the, the storyline, um, the situation, the circumstances around the death, um, and then the storylines about the recipients. You know, you, you see movies and read books, and uh, they just get it wrong. How do they get it wrong? Well, they're just inaccurate. Um, for example, there's a TV show out now, and I won't say the name, but they actually had a liver on the back of a car in the middle of a traffic jam. I mean, that would never ever happen i I did see that episode (laughs) yeah and it makes me cringe and people who are on the fence about their donation decision see that and they it immediately makes them think i'm not going to do that i don't want to be involved in that and they don't want to be involved with that because they think that the organ that they donated isn't being treated with respect correct okay all right now your book, Gifted, how much of what is in your book is based on the true facts of your own life? I'm going to guess that every single thing in here related to the organ donation part is. But I feel like a lot of you is in this book. That's, that's true. 
while it, it is a fictional novel, it's loosely based on my career, mostly spent in St. Louis working for Mid-America Transplant. Um, I would say largely, uh, I don't know, 80 to 90 percent of the storyline is taken from other family members that I've worked with in the past. Okay, so, because I was wondering, you know, you hear, I'm reading the different stories about this beautiful character, J.T. Stone and his mom and his brother, and what you went through, what, you know, you really created this beautiful character of J.T. Stone, and I don't want to give away what happens to him, but since everybody knows this book is about... Um, really about how one person's death can save eight people's lives. Is that correct? That's correct, yes. Okay. Um, what are the organs that can be donated, by the way? Um, so the heart, uh, the lungs, and the lungs can actually be divided and given to two recipients, uh, the liver, the pancreas, the intestine, and both kidneys can obviously go to individual recipients. So that's a total of eight. Okay. And what about the eyes? I had heard that eyes or corneas and stuff like that are now being considered for donation. Yes. Uh, those are considered tissue. Uh, so the types of tissue donation include corneas, tendons, heart valves, veins, skin, and bones. Wow, so you can really pretty much just take every part of a human being and help save somebody else's life? That's absolutely right. Uh, a single tissue donor can enhance the lives of up to 75 people. That's pretty... And if you were to ask a tissue recipient, did their lives get enhanced or saved? I bet 100% would say saved. Yeah, you hear stories all the time about people who received a cornea from somebody who passed away. And of course, mm -hmm. the, you know, and all of a sudden they can see again when they pretty much were completely blind. That to me is amazing. And I know people who have received hearts from, from people, my neighbors up in Connecticut. Um, he was on, what's that thing where they put something on you and they run your heart through this thing? I can't remember what it's called. Alp. I can't even remember, but he literally had to stay within a 45 minute to an hour drive of the hospital because they mm. never knew when a heart would come in. Yeah, he may have been on an external pump yes. called an LVAD. LVAD, yes, that thing. And he had been on that yeah. and finally a heart came in and he's doing really, really well. Uh, Ten years later, he's still doing amazingly. So we're going to come back after our first commercial break. We're here with Robert Horsey, author of the novel Gifted, but really talking about real-life organ donation. We'll be right back. Robert, I know you were having some echoes on the line. Um, hopefully it is better now. I know you're calling in. Um, where yes. are you in St. Louis? Uh, no, I'm in uh, Indianapolis, Indiana. Okay, so hopefully you're, you're not going to be dealing with any of these hurricanes that are approaching the coast of the Carolinas right now. <laughs> All right, so we've had our share of rain the last few days, I'll admit. <laughs> oh, well, I have a feeling that uh, the whole world has been... Well, I know for a fact the whole world's been dealing with some crazy weather and some crazy things. And, yeah. you know, I was checking 
things before I, I went online, before I got on the air and I was looking at the news and there's just so much craziness that's going on in the world, which I think is why for me, organ donation is such a top of mind for me. And then of course you sent me your, your beautiful book gifted, which is available wherever, um, is available on amazon.com and left-bank.com as well. And the book's website is gifted-thenovel.com. But we were talking before the break about how there's a lot of misconceptions about organ donation. And your book explains the process so beautifully. And can you sort of, not sort of, but can you explain the process of organ and tissue donation, what it means for the loved ones who have signed that piece of paper or how somebody even gets on the list? Sure. Um, The process begins when a patient suffers an irreversible neurologic injury that there's no chance of recovery from. Um, A lot of thorough testing and evaluation is done uh, to determine what's called brain death. And prior to brain death, hospitals go to extreme measures to try and save that person's life. One of the misconceptions out there is that if you have a heart on your license, the hospital is not going to make a, a great effort to save your life. And that, that is so untrue. Um, I, wish, I wish there was something more I could do to help dispel that myth, but I tried to explain that in my book, um, the efforts that are taken to save someone's life. Um, but once that determination of brain death is made by the hospital, uh, organ procurement organizations are contacted uh, as a referral for um, organ donation. Uh, some a representative from that organization will come on site and do an evaluation of that patient to see if they're eligible for organ donation. Uh, if they are, uh, they will check what's called the registry, uh, and that's where people make their donor designation decision. They can register to be organ donors, um, and that takes the the burden of that decision off their family members. Uh, that's also covered in the book. Um, once that decision is made, and we'll just assume that consent is granted for the donation, then the clinical team arrives, and that's where I come in. I'm part of that clinical team, and we come on site, and we we in effect, take over care of that patient. Um, most times they are very unstable, uh, hemodynamically unstable. What does hemodynamically so we, mean? Um, because of the insult to the brain, um, there's an, a period of time where their bodies begin to shut down. So we come in and we assess and treat according to ventilators to, to um, take over their breathing effort because they no longer can breathe once they're brain dead. That is controlled in the brain. Um, we provide them with medications to help support their heart. Um, again, because of their brain injury, um, a lot of the hormones that are required uh, to support the heart are no longer uh, provided by the brain. And so the circulating volumes of those hormones uh, decrease steadily and without intervention the heart will stop so in a so lot just, of ways by your team going in you're also helping 
the patient, if they can recover for some miraculous reason, you're supporting them for that as well. Well, if it comes to the point where we're brought in, the the diagnosis of brain death has already been made, which okay. is an irreversible diagnosis. So if if we were involved, there is no chance of recovery. And that is that is uh, explained in great detail to the family. Okay, and, and the reason that you're doing all of that is why? To support the organs so that we can be- begin the process of evaluation uh, of each organ system to assess for viability and their transplant eligibility. I couldn't get over how much work has to go in to determine what organs might be able to be used for somebody else. And I, I didn't get a good idea of how much time in your book it takes for when somebody's been declared brain dead and you've spoken to the family at that really horrible time of their life and, and they said, yes, okay, we're, we're going to do organ donation and tissue donation. How long does it take for you to go through that process and determine viability and then find a match? Uh, it's It varies person to person, of course, based on their age and their health prior to their neurologic injury. But I would say on average between 24 and 36 hours from consent to um, removal of the organs. Okay, so that gives the loved ones some more time to sort of gather around and say goodbye as well. Yes, and it provides an opportunity not only for them to spend more time, but for them to come to grips with the loss while they're still with their loved one. Um, And organ donation also provides a distraction, if you will, Uh, and it, it provides hope that this this death, this unexpected loss, doesn't have to end in total loss. Okay, I I, I know you mentioned a TV show where you know the heart or liver or whatever it was was on the back of a car, but at the same time, I've also seen on some shows where they really go through the the pathos the the emotionality of it is not quite as dramatic, right? And crashes and things like that happening with the organ donation. And I think it's a very special thing that somebody can do for somebody else when they're gone. And I don't know if there are religious contexts to it for a number of people, but we're going to be going into the national news break. And uh, Robert Horsey wrote this beautiful book, Gifted. It's a a wonderful novel that I was crying throughout because I cared so much about the characters, even though I knew because I had the conversation with you, Robert, how the book was going to end. It still Mm -hmm. surprised me at the end as well, by the way. Just want to let you know that. And 
for anybody listening, if you, I highly recommend you get this book and read it and share it with people you love. Um, but have a box of tissues <laughs> handy nearby, <laughs> well, especially if you're as emotional as I tend to be. But we're going to be right back, Robert. We have to go into national news. And, um, but people can get your book at Amazon, right? Yes, it's available on Amazon.com. Um, and it's also available at www.left-bank.com. They have signed copies available uh, at that website. Awesome. Um, All right. I left in yeah. St. Louis. Okay, perfect. And we'll be right back after the national news break. Welcome back, everyone. If you're on the podcast, this was instantaneous. You didn't have to go through the national news or any of the commercials. If you're alive and just joining us, welcome, welcome, welcome. We're here with, I am here, and you are, since you're my listeners, with Robert Horsey, author of Gifted, a novel that is just so beautiful, but what the novel is really all about is organ donation. And that moment when you hear this horrible news that, a life has been tragically taken and what do you do at that moment when someone you love is gone and can their life that has been lost make a difference to somebody else and Robert you've just so beautifully the first half hour talked about eight organs that can be transplanted to save somebody else's life, plus 75 additional people can be helped through um, tissue donation, like corneas and and other things. That, to me, just blows my mind. Yes, it, it truly is a, a miracle of medicine. It's also kind of creepy <laughs> in, in, in some way, right? And I think it's creepy in some way just because... As a living person, I tend to go, well, somebody's going to be cutting me up, right? And and that's a little creepy, but that's not really how it happens, right? Not at all. Uh, it, is, it, is as very, it is as much of a professional procedure as someone going in to have their appendix removed. In fact, um, great strides are taken to bring honor to that donor. In fact... Every case that we do, we take a moment before we begin to honor that donor and to remember them as a true hero. And as a human being. And as a human being. Okay, so how does somebody, while they're alive, decide to be a donor? How do they declare that? Uh, First, it comes through education. Um, whether they seek that education out uh, through the internet or by attending a program conducted by their local organ procurement organization, it's important that they understand the facts about organ donation. And they can just get your they, book, which tells those facts oh, so beautifully. <laughs> Go no, ahead. Sorry you. to interrupt. No, that's okay. And once they get that education, then they can simply register. Um, And there's two ways you can register. You can register with your Department of Motor Vehicles whenever you get your driver's license or renew your driver's license. They'll ask you if you want to be an organ donor. And the other option is to go online where you can um, register your decision. And that website is www.registerme.org. 
registerme.org, okay? Yes. And that's a national registry. When you go through your Department of Motor Vehicles, it's a state registry. So do you need to do both? No. Your, the national registry will forward that to your state. So you'll be, you'll be registered in your state. Okay. And, yeah, I'm just sitting here going, okay, I remember on my mom's driver's license, she had the little box checked organ donation. Say something happens to somebody and the only, you know, like they, there's nobody that's there with them when they pass away. You can't find a next of kin. How does somebody, how do you guys know that they're registered? You look them up, you have access to these databases. How does that work? Yes, we do. Each organ procurement organization has access to their state database and you can simply research their name and see if they're on the list. And if they are on the list, we provide that information to their loved ones so that they are aware of their donor designation decision. So many of the movies and TV really play up this whole conspiracy theorist kind of thing that the rich are the ones who get the organs because they pay and they get their name escalated up the list or they actually bypass it and there's this whole black market. Is that is there truth to that, not truth to that? Well, that's part of the myth that I discussed earlier. Um, no, there's no truth to that. Uh, there's a lot of effort made to separate the two sides of the process. So um, there's, there's one side where the recipients work with transplant centers to be evaluated for their eligibility to receive an organ and be listed. And then on the other side is the donor process, which is managed by the organ procurement organizations. And those two entities are completely separate. That way there's no chance of manipulating the system. Now, there's two kinds of organ donation, right? There's the one when somebody is deceased, and we've really talked a lot about that. But there's something called living organ donation as well. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. How do they differ? Um, I mean, other than the fact that one's alive and one's dead, I get that. But, you know. Yeah. As we discussed, uh, there's the the deceased donor um, is someone that has suffered that neurologic brain injury that there's no chance of recovery. Um, the living donor, it, this is two live patients, uh, one, one who needs an organ and one who's willing to provide an organ. Um, so there are two types of transplants that can happen from this. One is a kidney donation and one is a liver. Um, obviously, we as human beings, we have two kidneys and you don't need both of them. Um, so you can donate one. We call it sharing your spare. <laughs> oh, I like that. Sharing your spare. Yeah, yeah. Okay. share your spare. Uh, and then the other organ that is able to be transplanted from a living donor is your, the liver. The liver can be separated and a partial donation can be made, leaving enough liver for the donor and enough livers provided to the recipient so that they would be able to survive. 
And the, the liver is an amazing organ. It has the ability to regenerate, and it will grow to meet the needs of each of those people within a few months. Within a few months? Yes. Wow, I'm surprised researchers aren't researching more about that to figure out how other organs can do that. <laughs> or maybe they it's, are. It's, they they have, and I, I can't speak to that, but um, I... It's an amazing thing. The liver is an amazing organ. Now, does the same process happen with living organ donation versus the more traditional that we're familiar with when somebody's deceased in terms of having to match organs? I would imagine that's got to be a really complicated process. It is a complicated process, um, not only from the matching perspective, but the the person willing to donate their organ has to go through a thorough evaluation, not just physical, but in mental and emotional evaluation as well. Okay, explain, elaborate on that. Just to be sure that they're completely aware of what they're doing. You know, this is a life-risking procedure for them as well, um, and that they're doing it for the right reason. You know, they want to truly help someone. Um, they're not doing it to gain anything. Um, so it's just an exhaustive evaluation. Okay. Now, the going by TV, right, but also going by your book, which I thought was so amazing. In your book, you, you shared about how his organs were donated to people. Some one was right there in the same hospital. Something had happened to somebody there in the emergency room and they were a perfect match. But then doctors were from all over. Is there a distance that you can travel if an organ has to be donated? I mean, TV, everybody talks about timing. Like it's only so long that it would be viable. Yes. Um, they they did get that right. Okay. <laughs> so um, they got something organ, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know how I feel. I do. Each each organ does have um, a limited amount of time that it can survive outside the body, outside of perfusion of oxygenated blood. So, and it varies per organ. So the heart typically has the shortest amount of time that it can be outside the body. And that's, that's around four hours, four to six hours. And the liver can be out six to eight hours. Uh, the pancreas can be out around that same amount of time. Uh, lungs, about four to six hours. And kidneys can be outside the body for a little bit longer, up to 24 hours if they're on what's called a kidney pump. So when you, when you start looking at those statistics, does that make a difference for on the list kind of thing? I mean, when the transplant, people like yourself, the coordinators and everything, you've determined, okay, there's eight organs that are, are viable, and you start going through these national international lists of people that are on it going okay this one's at the top of the list for the heart for you i'm assuming you're hitting the top first and seeing who the match is or does it work some other way for the most part 
um, you try to serve the recipients within the general area of where the donor is. So if you think about it, the donor is, imagine a dartboard, and the donor is the bullseye. So you want to service the recipients around the donor first, and then the next circle, and then the next circle. And that's based on need at that point. Um, So the neediest people in that first region get serviced first, and then the neediest people in the second region get serviced next if it's not taken by that first circle. And the, the idea behind that is because that gives the organ the greatest chance of surviving the transplantation, having the best effect, best outcome? That's exactly right. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm getting it. I'm getting a feel for all of it right now. And we're going to go into our last commercial break right now. And we'll be back with more from Robert Horsey, author of the really beautiful book, Gifted. I know to all my listeners out there, this is not your normal conversation that I have on this show, but I think it's something really important. And when Bobby and Bobby Govanis, my dear friend, introduced me to her brother, Robert, I just thought it was an important message to be out there in the world that we needed to do. And because I have my own radio show, I get to do it. <laughs> you know, there there has to be some power that I have as a radio host, right, to, uh, to put out messages that I believe in so deeply. Are there well, I applaud your choices. <laughs> well, thank you. Robert, are there reasons why somebody can't be an organ donor? Uh, there are um, situations where patients, you know, they have certain conditions like heart conditions or they have liver disease. Um, so that would preclude them from being able to donate those organs. But I would not or I should say I would discourage anyone from making their own decision based on their health situation. Um, Let the medical professionals decide if you have viable organs for transplant. The big decision for the individual to make is, do you want to help other people in in the situation where you are an eligible donor? Well, but what if, I mean, I I don't know what you're testing for, right? But say somebody has leukemia or something like that, is that will show up when your team is there evaluating? Are there things that don't show up? Because that's a fear Uh, people have. What if I get an infected organ? Right. Um, That's very true. Um, You know, we do a very thorough evaluation of each organ donor, and we find sometimes we find things that they didn't even know they had, such as cancers. Um, Obviously, we would never want to transplant um, someone who had cancer because cancer cells can be malignant, and you could, there's a good chance of transferring that malignancy to a recipient. So we do exhaustive evaluations of each organ system to make sure that those situations aren't there. And that includes um, radio, radiographic evaluations such as CT scans, x-rays. We do blood work to make sure that there aren't cancer markers and um, other results that would indicate 
liver dysfunction or heart dysfunction or lung dysfunction. In these days of Lyme disease, is that stuff that you guys track as well or no? And I know you and I have Um, talked about it a little bit, but I'm just kind of curious. We don't typically evaluate for Lyme disease. Um, If the patient had a suspicious symptomatic pattern, we would probably rule them out as an organ donor just because we don't want to take the risk. Okay. What about like rheumatoid arthritis, things like that? Does that, I just, I'm bringing this up because I know a lot of people Mm -hmm. that have this and they have questions of, can I be an organ donor when I've got things like that? Yes. Uh, These autoimmune diseases such as rheumatoid arthritis, they can still be organ donors. Uh, We would just do more detailed evaluation pertaining to that diagnosis. And sometimes it's the medications that they take to treat their disease. It could cause problems with their organs, which would make them not transplantable. And I I know my mom was on um, blood thinners for so long and steroids for so long. And she was an organ donor, but she was also 88. And she passed away from a massive stroke just about a year ago. So she wouldn't have been a candidate because of all of that, and plus her age, correct? But that shouldn't stop you, as you said earlier, from registering yourself. That's correct, yeah. Unfortunately, um, due to her age and health situation, she would not have been eligible to be an organ donor. Now, and this is going to be a tough question, for me to ask, but I think it's important for my listeners to know because of religious reasons and and things like that, people, and and for emotional reasons, people wonder, I wonder, if after organ donation, is there anything left to bury for somebody or perform a service over for for end-of-life service? That, That is a great question and one that we get quite frequently uh, from families who are considering donation? And the answer is yes. Um, The procedure is done in such a way that preservation of the body is is maintained so that there can be a viewing, there can be an open casket. Um, So... Organ donation, the process of organ donation and tissue donation doesn't rule out the option for viewings. I think that's it's an important thing for people to understand because I would imagine that in that moment, even if you're having somebody cremated, it's a feeling that of closure. Is, is that the right word, Robert? Mm-hmm. And how yes. and how long does that process take from when somebody has been declared um, brain dead to when you're doing everything? I know you said there's like 24 to 36 hours for all the testing and everything, but mm-hmm. how long does that sort of delay that process of closure? Uh, So in addition to that 24 to 36-hour period for the organ donation to take place, um, the tissue donation then follows the organ donation. So that is typically about another 10 to 12-hour process, not just the 
procedure of the tissue retrieval, but everything involved from transportation to um, to just the other logistical things. So you're looking probably at um, 48 hours from the time of consent to the time the body is delivered to the funeral home. So it's not that long, actually. Not No, not really. Not in the grand scheme of things, and considering the gifts that are being provided. I mean, I remember when my father passed away, and it was hospice in, in the hospital, and, you know, there was no investigation or anything that needed to happen, although supposedly because he died from a fall in in the house, although he lived for, um, a, you know, we had surgery and everything, but he passed away, his body kind of got lost for a couple of days <laughs> at, oh at the hospital. And it was really weird because we kept waiting to hear from the sheriff's office or whoever it was that, okay, the medical examiner, that it was okay and, and dad was going to be at the funeral home. And then I didn't understand why after like four or five days we hadn't heard anything. You know, it was new to me and my mom. Mm -hmm. And then we found out that somebody forgot to notify somebody. <laughs> and, oh, my goodness. And, and it was so... I mean, that was worse, right, I would think, than, than this, but I really don't know. The processes happen, and I just laughed because my dad would have thought that was absolutely freaking hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm well, sure he kind of did that just to give us a laugh and, and go, all right, you know, <laughs> it's not him, it's his body, right? It, my, my dad's yeah. gone because I literally felt him leave at that breath, and my mm -hmm. mom too, so... Um, last thought you'd like to leave my listeners with around your book, around organ and tissue donation? Well, we just talked about um, how people can become registered to be organ donors. I think it's important, too, after they make that decision, that they do a few more things. And I, I just would encourage people to have a discussion with their family members about their donor decision. Let them know that you've decided to be an organ donor if and when that happens, um, then I would ask them to continue to educate themselves and share that information with other people so that we can get more education and more information about organ donation and donor designation out into the community. And then they can also be getting involved with their local organ procurement organization or church or civic groups um, who volunteer and help with organ donation and what i think is so beautiful about your book robert is when you're making that decision a family member or a loved one or even the person who has power of attorney you're not alone because they've got people like you right there with them well thank you very much i appreciate your kind words yeah uh, it's not an easy decision to make for somebody after they've passed but if you make those decisions by going to registerme.org before then and let your family know then you can make it easier for them at that moment in time of your passing so robert horsey's book called gifted out at amazon.com go grab a copy and share it with somebody you love and remember everybody the right questions can change your life so what are you asking today have a great day everyone and hug someone you love been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. 
Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today. 